Benjamin Franklin was right. There are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. However, I don't think Franklin had any idea how bad taxes would get and that the taxes would end up killing us. So he was prophetic in his utterance many, many years ago. But he's right. We gotta pay taxes. And one day, we are all going to die. As a matter of fact, a Fox News CNN poll confirmed that just yesterday. One out of every one persons on this planet <laughs> will die. You can fact check that later. We're all gonna die. When we die, someone's gonna stand up in front of a group of people in a church or a chapel or someplace, maybe at a cemetery, and they're gonna say words about you and words about me. They're gonna talk about what you were like. They're gonna tell stories about you. They're gonna tell, uh, talk about what you thought was important and what and who you poured your life into. That's all gonna happen to every single one of us. Other day I was eating lunch with a friend of mine who's a member of our church and as we were walking out to our cars in the parking lot, my friend said, hey, I wanna tell you something. I said, great. He goes, your dad is, is like one of the best communicators I have ever heard in my life. He's one of the best communicators in the world. I said, you know what? I'm his son, but I'm not gonna argue with you, right? <laughs> my dad, Dr. Ed Young, in case you're just joining us here, is a, a phenomenal communicator. He's a beast when it comes to preaching and delivering a message. And here's what's interesting about my dad, you may not know this, he does not have a microwave in his study. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, <clears throat> if I've preached as long as he's preached, he has tens of thousands of sermons, all he's gotta do every Saturday is take out one of those old sermons, stick it in the microwave, put it on a minute and a half, and get up here and shuck the corn. No, no, no. He doesn't do that every single week, every single season. He starts from scratch and studies and studies and works on his craft. But I tell people this all the time. I go, if you've only heard my dad give sermons and messages in church and you have not heard him give one of his funeral sermons, then you've never seen my dad at his very best. Let me tell you something. No one can do a funeral message like him. No one. He can preach uh, John Gotti and Al Capone into heaven <laughs> with one of his funeral messages. And maybe you're wondering, you go, well, I disagree with that. I've, I've listened to Dr. Young for many, many years now. He's great. I've heard him at his best on Sunday morning. No, you haven't. It's a funeral sermon. You say, why is that? That doesn't make any sense. Let me give you a couple of reasons here. You may want to take notes. First reason his best messages are at funerals are because he has a limited time to speak. 
Okay? Number one. <laughs> Number two, if you're taking notes here, he also is only dealing with one subject matter, and that's the deceased. Okay? That was funny too, though. You'll get that later on today. <laughs> Number three. He is able somehow, some way to take someone's life, how they live their life and merge it with the gospel, the good news of Christ in a way that simply sizzles. I've seen him do so many funeral service for so many different kinds of people and it, it's just amazing. And he ends 99% of these funeral messages, these sermons, when he is at his utmost best, his best communicating self with these words. He closes almost every funeral sermon with these words. He says, right now, in heaven, as those pearly gates are open, Dusty is hearing the words, two people caught that, Dusty is hearing the words, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Father in heaven, that, every, that, that's it, that's the way he ends it. Well done, well done. And I thought about that a lot. I've thought about those two powerful words. That one day, it's my hope, not just for me, but for you, that we will hear those words, well done from God. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Well done. Good job. You lived your one and only life to the fullest, enter into your eternity. That would be truly awesome. But the question is, the question stands before us today, is how do we get to the well done? How do we get to well done? Well, we started talking about that last week, if you're here, and we looked at Acts chapter 13, verse 36. Look at Acts 13, 36, a very short verse. It says, now David, after he served God's purpose in his own generation, died. King David, in his incredible, adventurous, magnificent, Tragic in some ways life, but what he did, he served God's purpose in his life, and then he died, and he heard those words, well done. Why did he do that? Well, David had tapped into what we talked about last week. He had tapped into the power of purpose. He knew why God had placed him on the planet. And we talked about last week, how that's our desire. We desire to become the people who live out God's purpose. That's our goal, and that's who we want to become. 
So let's say that together. We are the people who live out his purpose. All right, let's let that second cup of coffee kick in. Let's try it again. We are the people who live out his purpose. Are you on purpose in your life? Do you have a reason right now that gets you up out of bed in the morning, that takes you through the day? Or are you rocking and being twisted and turned about like a ship without a rudder? Do you wanna make a difference? Which I know that you do with the one and only life God's given you. I see so many people that, find, that don't find the purpose in their life or the purpose of God in their life. It's so elusive to them. And that's why we need to have a sense of urgency as we seek to discover and encounter or rediscover and re-encounter God's purpose, God's plan for our lives right now, given the season of life that we are in. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Well, for those of you here under the age of 30, I've said this before, this is a interesting piece of technology. It's called a chalkboard. Yeah, it's a chalkboard. So if we're gonna hear the words, well done, Well done. If we're to live a life that's on point, that's on purpose, if we're gonna live a life that matters, what do we need to do? Well, I've got a buddy of mine who lives in San Diego, California, and I'm just gonna call him by the name of Mike, okay? Because that's his name. And Mike is a great guy. I've known him for many, many years. And uh, he's, he's a school teacher, he teaches history, to seventh graders. You think your job is hard? He teaches history to seventh graders, okay? It's not an easy job. But besides that, Mike is also an incredible surfer. He, he was born and raised on, in Hawaii, and he's lived in California for the last 30 years. The guy knows the water, he knows how to swim, he knows, he's just a waterman, he's incredible. And he understands San Diego better than anybody that I've ever known. What I mean, understand San Diego, I mean he understands the surfing spots. If you wanna go up to Lower Trestles, he knows Lower Trestles. You wanna to go to Cardiff, he's got Cardiff. You wanna to go to Black's Beach or La Jolla or Mission or Sunset Cliffs, he has got all those spots figured out. He knows the winds, he knows the tides, he knows the swell direction and how all those things can figure together. So when you are there and you're wondering, where should I go today? Where are the waves? What will they look like? All you gotta do is call 1-800-MIKE and he will hook you up. Why? Because Mike is dialed in. He's dialed in. And if we're gonna live out God's purposes for our life, we have to be dialed in. Dialed in. How did David rise 
from being a shepherd boy to a giant killer to a leader of a powerful nation. He was dialed in to God's purposes for his life. How did Joseph survive all of the injustices and hardships he experienced to rise to a position of influence in Egypt? He was dialed in to God's purpose for his life. How did Paul deal with the continual sickness, that thorn in the flesh that he couldn't get rid of? The betrayal in and out of prison? How did he survive all of that? He was dialed in to God's purposes for his life. You may be here and you are in your 20s, the magical decade. You're a young professional, a yo pro, okay? You need to start to figure out God's purposes and God's plans for your life now. Maybe you're a mom and all your little kiddos are off in school now, or maybe uh, you're at a time in your life as a couple that you are, you've arrived at nirvana, also known as the empty nest. You need to find and get dialed in to God's purpose for your life right now. Maybe you're in the midlife game. You're in your 40s and 50s. Don't go crazy. Find and reignite God's purposes and plans in your life during this halftime moment. Maybe you're in the fourth quarter of life. I don't know. To use another analogy, maybe you're on that 17th fairway of life. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, what your past has been. You need to dial in to God's purposes and plans for your life. How do we practically do that? Okay, let's look at some things that will help us out. Turn in Scripture to Psalm 139. Book of Psalms, Psalm 139. It's a it's in the middle of the Bible. Great, great passage here. Great chapter. We're just going to read a few verses here. You have searched me, Psalm 139.1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Scan down to verse 13. For you were, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. Wow. Wow. There's a God out there who made you and who knows you. He knows that you're sitting down right now. He knows you're gonna be standing up later. He's gonna watch you go out and get in the car. He's gonna be with you as you're at home or in your apartment. He's gonna be with you when you lie down. He knows the very thoughts you're thinking before you're thinking. He knows the very words you're gonna say before they come out of your mouth. He knows you intimately. He knew you before there was any you. 
He knit you in your mother's womb before your very first birthday, before you even knew that you would have an existence. God had a plan and a purpose for your life. And he says that you are fearfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. I am wonderfully made. You are wonderfully made by God. I am wonderfully made by God. Say that out loud. I am wonderfully made by God. Turn to the person on your right and your left. I know this is a little uncomfortable for us here, okay? Turn to them and tell them that too. I am wonderfully made by God. Yes, Rob, I am wonderfully made by God. It's kind of weird to say that, isn't it? And we're not saying that, as you know, any kind of ego or pride. We're just simply quoting God's word to us. We're made in his image. We're made in God's image. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. So if we're going to get dialed in, right? If we're going to get dialed in to God's purpose, then we need to start looking at these three circles. Circle of life. No, just kidding. The first thing we need to look at, we just saw there in Psalm 139, is our design. How has God made you? We all have a lot of characteristics that are similar as humans and men and women, and perhaps a lot of us here are Americans. We share a lot of commonality, but we have some things that are unique about us. How are you made? How are you, how are you wired? Physically, you know? Mentally. How, do, how are you made? Your personality. What kind of personality do you, do you have? My kids, you know, come home from college. Oh, Dad, you're a five with a two wing and a seven with an eight wing. It's some kind of Enneagram stuff, right? That, but, but those things help. Those personality tests and inventories help us kind of understand who we are. It helps us understand our design. So God has designed you, he's made you in a certain way. Look at your family background. Look at your educational background. Look at the gifts that you have, the natural gifts that God has given you, the, the supernatural spiritual gifts that God has given you if you're a member of his church. What are your gifts? What are you good at? What are you talented at? What are you not good at? That's one of the great things if you're in your 20s and figuring out in your 20s what you're not good at is a good thing. What are you not good at? Because listen, you can't put in what God left out. You can't. I was never in my life gonna win, you know, the 100 meters in running or in swimming. Why? Because that was not in the cards and not in my DNA. 
but you don't understand, I've got little Johnny and select this and select that, and he has a personal trainer and coach. Hate to break it to you, little Johnny's probably not gonna play D1. You can't put in what God left out, so stop skipping church, okay? Hey, look at your design. Look at your design. How did God make you? How did God wire you? What do you like? What are you good at? What other people have affirmed you in? How has he designed you? What are some skills you've acquired along the way? I think about that old story, that old classic movie, Chariots of Fire, and Eric Little uh, was uh, a guy who was a Scottish guy who was running for Great Britain and he was gonna compete and run in the 400 meters in the 1924 Paris Olympics. But Eric and his sister Jenny were born on the mission field. They were born in China and he felt that God had called him to go back and be a missionary for China. But he, he was also running and training for the Olympics and his, his sister Jenny cornered him one time and was like, Eric, what are you doing? What are you thinking? I know it's a poor Scottish accent, but just work with me. What are you doing? What are you thinking? We need to go to China. You know, you're a missionary. God's called upon your life to be a missionary. We've got to go to China. We've got to go now. And Eric looked at his sister and said, Jenny, Jenny, I, I know that God has called us to China. God's called me for China. But God has also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Right? I mean, goosebumps today. Yeah, God called him to be a missionary. God called him to that life. But God also at the same time designed him and made him fast. So he could honor God and glorify God in Paris in the Olympics winning the gold medal. And he can honor and glorify God on the mission field as well. How has God designed you? Your unique design is key to getting dialed in to God's purposes for your life. The next circle. is desire. Desire. What kind of desires have, has God placed in your life? You, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're wonderfully made by God. You want to live out his purposes for your life. But what are your desires? What are your desires in life? Maybe you have a desire to create that's who you are. You like to create things. You like to create art or you like to create music. I mean, I wish you know, the ultimate goal for, for any guy is to be a rock star, a musician, right? I can't do that. I don't have the talent. I don't come from a rock star kind of family. However, I had a little brother who's nine years older than me and I had to get the old guitar someone gave me and he was two and one time we gave, he had these blisters on his fingers. Like, Cliff, what are you doing? Why do you have blisters on your finger? He goes, batar, batar. And, you know, he taught himself how to play the batar, also known as the guitar. Lo and behold, even coming from our family, the guy could sing. 
He had a band. He started a band. They were on the road for 20 years, went to 48 states. That's how God made him. It was also his desire to create. So maybe you want to create. You're in the creatives. Or maybe you like to, you know, build things. You want to build a new company. Maybe you have a desire to bring uh, order into chaos. That's what you're good at doing in your jobs and your work. And you want to bring order into chaos. If that's your desire, please, after the service, go get a plane and go to D.C., okay? So what do you desire to do? Maybe you desire to help people. Maybe you desire to serve people in the trenches. Maybe you desire to teach. Maybe you desire to lead. Maybe you desire to administrate. Maybe it's your uh, desire to uh, connect and get different kind of groups of people together. Maybe you like to develop, and maybe your desire is to design. I don't know. God's given us so many different desires that we can use that kind of connect us to his purpose and plan for our lives. Maybe you want to defend. Maybe you want to protect. Maybe you want to seek justice. I don't know. I I love the story about uh, a member of, of parliament many, many years ago. His name was William Wilberforce. And, you know, he was, you know, in Parliament and he was a part of the old, you know, British aristocracy that we've all seen on those, you know, Downton Abbey and other Netflix British timepieces, right? And, you know, he was a part of that group. But something happened to this very refined member of Parliament and a member of society. He heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. He began to really understand God's grace. So he grew up in church and he was born again and it radically changed his life. And he was so stoked about his authentic relationship with God of taking that leap from that ethical stage to the authentic stage, you know. He said, hey, I'm gonna quit politics and I'm gonna become a preacher of all things. So he goes to his buddy, a mentor of his, by the name of John Newton. You may have heard of John Newton. He wrote, he wrote one little song that kind of was a hit called Amazing Grace. So he went to John Newton and said, hey, I'm thinking about quitting. I'm going to become a preacher just like you are. And Newton says, whoa, Tom out there. Tap the brakes, buddy. You need to think about that. You need to pray about that. Because God may not want you to be a preacher. God may want you to stay in parliament. God may want you to stay in politics. Because when he came to know Christ, he had this desire placed in his life and his heart to abolish slavery in England in his time. So in wisdom, Wilberforce listened to Newton He spent not just months, he spent years, not just years, decades, his whole life was to stay in parliament, to do God's work, to abolish slavery. And at the right time and at the right place, and he had the right skills, he was able to abolish that scourge from that country. It was his desire. What is your desire? What are the desires that God has placed in your heart? When you follow those desires, you begin to tap into, get dialed into God's purposes for your life. Third circle that we've got to understand and develop and grow into is devotion. It's devotion. 
How many of you, when you were little, curious, went through a confirmation or catechism? Just raise up your mono, your hand. A lot of us went through catechisms and stuff. Some of us don't want to admit it. It was a tough time, but we went through them, right? And, and there's one catechism, if you grew up in the uh, Presbyterian tradition, it's called the Westminster Catechism, 196 questions that you as a little kiddo had to know the questions and know the answers to. So there are questions, deep questions about life and theology and God and the Trinity and Christ and Christ, all these questions, 196. But you know what the first question is? The very first question in the Westminster Catechism? It's all about purpose. It's all about purpose. The first question is this, what is the chief end of man? Why are we here? And the answer is the chief end of man, the chief end of people is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's it. It's all about worship. It's all about praise. It's all about our vertical devotion to God. Corporate praise and worship, personal praise and worship, everything flows out of that I-thou relationship. We have to be devoted on a personal, individual, Monday through Friday level to God in Christ. We have to be devoted to the communal worship experience, to the local church, to really understand God's call and purposes in our life. You say, maybe you just arrived on the scenes. Second Baptist Church, we've been, I guess, in business, if you want to look at it that way, since the 1920s. We've been here on this spot in Woodway since the 60s. God has deeply and tremendously blessed our, our church decade after decade, year after year. Why is it? It's because so many people so many of you, so many others who come to our church are dialed in to these three circles and you know your purpose and know your plan and you're living it out within the context of this church community. That's why our church continues to grow and continues to thrive. It's that connection between the design, the desire, and the devotion. So, when we connect, when you connect your design, your desire, and your devotion, then you begin to get dialed in to God's will. And you'll one day hear those words. Well done. Well done. Well done. What a life you lived. Way to go. Way to maximize your design and desire and devotion. Way to go. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That is what I want to hear. And that's what you want to hear as well. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, well, what happens? You know, what happens if my, my life has become derailed or, or some disaster hit my life? Well, what does that do pastor to your neat little Venn diagram. We'll talk about that next week. But for now, 
We've got to ask God to light a fire in our life. To start engaging in life again or start re-engaging in the life and the purposes that God has for you right now in this very moment. I mean, think about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is, is, is our Savior, and we always want to be in sync with our Savior. He's our Savior, but he's also our leader and our example. Think about Christ, his design, right? He was the servant leader. His desire to seek and to save the lost, that's, that's you and me. His devotion his devotion to only do his Father's will, and he went all the way to the mat. And as he hung there on that cross, suspended between heaven and earth, he said, it is finished. I have lived out my design. I've lived out my desire. I've lived out my devotion. The bridge is confirmed is finished between God and man and now sinners like you and me can be forgiven and walk across that bridge and have a relationship with a living God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. And when we fall down, he's gonna pick us up and get us back into his purposes so that we will be dialed in, so that we'll hear those words, those words that I wanna hear, well done. Well done, well done. God, maybe your prayer should be, God, use me today. God, help me to re-engage with my design, my desires, and my devotion. God, I want to be dialed in. God, I want my life to matter. I know I'm not gonna be here forever. I don't know how much time is on the clock for me, but God, I want to make a difference with the one and only life that you've given me. Show me, God. Help me. Lead me as I seek your will and your purposes. Back in the day, there was an old church in Pennsylvania. And they had a good old-fashioned, Bible-believing, devil-chasing, chandelier-swinging, country preacher. And about every, I don't know, May, early June, they would have a Sunday they would call Graduation Sunday. And on Graduation Sunday, all the people who graduated, those who graduated from high school, those who graduated from college, would get up and give a brief word to say, hey, I graduated from high school and I've been accepted to this college. I've graduated from high school and I'm signing up for the Marines. I've graduated from high school and I'm, I'm gonna go into this vocational school and they would clap. I've graduated from college and now I'm gonna get my master's and they would clap. I've graduated from college, I'm gonna become a doctor. I've graduated from college, I'm gonna become a lawyer. I've gra and, then, and, and all the people there would go, that's incredible, amen, my, my, that's great. And the good old country preacher would stand up about every graduation Sunday and say these words to the congregation and the graduates. He would say, young people, one day you're gonna die. 
They're gonna dig a hole in the ground, put you in it, shovel dirt in your face, and go back to the church and eat potato salad. <laughs> and he said, when you die, they're gonna say one thing about you. They're gonna say, either you were living for a title or a testimony. A title or a testimony. And then he proceeded to go through virtually the entire Bible with that frame of title, testimony. He said, Pharaoh had a title, but Moses had a testimony. Jezebel had a title, but Elijah had a testimony. Nebuchadnezzar had a title, but Daniel had a testimony. Herod had a title, but John the Baptist had a testimony. Agrippa had a title, but Paul had a testimony. Nero had a title, but Peter had a testimony. So he kept going back and forth, title, testimony, title, testimony, title, testimony, until he finally got to the end of his message. And this old dude screamed at the top of his lungs, Pilate! Pilate! had a title, but my Jesus. Had a testimony. 